1: Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show.
2: Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the dean and founder of Directions University, and the co-founder of Divizio, the all-new affiliate network for people in all niches. We've got another great show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host and partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack.
3: Hello. How are it's you cold today? cold
2: like it is here?
3: It's freezing. It's 26 degrees and there's snow on the ground. It's almost like oh, it's February yuck. or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, that happened. The only reason
3: before. I'm really mad about that is yesterday I went for a nice walk in the park. Which is not something you do. There's no such thing as a nice walk in the park in February in Indiana typically. But now that I you know, have had a taste of walking in February <laughs> I want it back. I want it every day. And I guess apparently it wants to still be winter.
1: Yeah. I know, in Atlanta, it, it can't make up its mind, and we have daffodils blooming, and today we have little snow flurries, and the trees just, and bushes can't figure out what the heck is going on. It could be 70 next week. They're like, oh, do I yeah. bloom? Do I die? What am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> I go out and talk to them all the time and go, don't don't bloom yet. Don't bloom yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, could be a, a that could be a metaphor that
2: for... Yeah. You guys need the gift that I got last week. One of my good friends, Ken oh, Osborne, sent me the coolest present. They're gloves for people who type. The fingertips are cut off, and there's a little mitten that you can put over it if you want. But they're heated gloves, and the heated part plugs into your USB port. So since I oh, wow. work outside all day, I get to wear these warm, toasty gloves when it's cold.
3: Let me just remind everyone where Gina lives and how sort of pathetic this whole thing is. Now, that is a great idea. That is a great idea for anybody who doesn't live in central freaking Florida.
2: I live in south Florida, not even central Florida.
3: (laughs) South, yeah, I was trying to give you the benefit of the doubt, like you were a northern Floridian who, who needs a gadget like that. Oh, my goodness. It got
2: down to 40 this morning, Jack. It's cold over here.
3: <laughs> I have yeah, no sympathy tough. whatsoever.
2: Yeah. So why don't you do <laughs> the honors think of that this introducing a, our guest?
3: Yes, I will, unless people think that we are actually a traffic show and we're flying in a helicopter above some congested area reporting on the weather and traffic. And It mm-hmm. is the Traffic Masters podcast, and it's a different kind of traffic. It's web traffic. And today we have a guest. Lisa Marie Hayes, who calls herself a hopeless romantic. She's written two books on love and relationships, coached hundreds of clients to get the love and life they dreamed of, and yet none of that has made her the expert on love. I'll let her fill you in on that. You can find her at com. Lisa, welcome.
0: Thank you so much. I'm laughing about the weather. I mean, we I live in Washington <laughs> State, and so... Believe it or not, we have a yurt-like thing in our backyard, and it was warm enough last night that we actually slept outside instead of inside. Nice. Go figure. It's February. It is weird. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is unusual. It was gorgeous yesterday, but, you know, I feel for you down to 40 degrees in Florida. That has to be kind of frightening.
1: All I'm worried about is is my orange juice. Gina gets cold. It's horrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it.
3: Absolutely. We'll start it off like we start every show and ask you, what got you out of bed this morning so excited to be alive?
0: You know, I have a lot of things to get out of bed for in the morning. I have my wonderful little business partner, who is my eight year old cohort, who's sitting here smiling at me pleasantly right now. I've got, I share a life with my wonderful, amazing husband and four amazing, amazing little puppy dogs. And I love my work. Like every day I get to get up and do something that I actually really enjoy doing. And that wasn't always the case for me. So I appreciate it, I think, more because the contrast in my life has allowed me to recognize how how truly precious it is to be able to do what you love and make money doing it.
3: Very well said. I love it when pe- we find people that are in the perfect spot in life because it's very inspirational, for one. <laughs> uh, so, well, what do you do... Um, We'll just get right to the traffic part and see where we go from there. What do you do to get attention on the web or off the web, but primarily on the web? Why are people following you? Where do they typically follow you or find you, and how do you do all of that?
2: Or any of that.
3: Pick pick whatever you want.
0: It's an interesting question, I think, because I am a coach, and I think most coaches these days work virtually. I mean, that's sort of the business model that most of us follow. And it was one of the reasons that I – really looked at coaching and decided to pursue it because I like being able to work from wherever I am. I mean, travel is an incredibly important component of my life. I like to be able to have the flexibility to go and be wherever I want to be. And I can coach from the beach. I can coach from a hotel. I can coach any place I can get a cell phone reception, I can coach. So that virtual component to my work, is really critical, but it also means that I'm not going and finding clients at the Chamber of Commerce locally. So, you know, traffic, being online, being able to get visitors to my website is critical to my business. And I think there are two main components to that for me, which is writing, particularly blog writing, but I also utilize other sites um, who post my articles and then social media that drives traffic to the things that I've written. I mean, that's kind of the shorthand version of the answer to that question, but social media is really key in my business, and social media wouldn't do me very much good if I wasn't producing my own material to post on social media.
1: And so if what I kinds just, of
2: uh, – oh, yes, yeah, absolutely,
1: I want to say you create some of the best written stuff.
2: I mean, oh, you. you may
1: be a great coach, but you are also a very talented uh, writer. And your stuff is so compelling. And it's really real. And so uh, it's it's easy to see why other websites want to feature your stuff and read it.
0: That is um, That is very nice to say. Thank you. I think there's a there's kind of a there's two ways of looking at it in the coaching industry and i one way is that you present i don't know producty stuff I don't really mean that, but I mean you present material versus stories from your own life there's sort of that positioning yourself as an expert who's got all the answers. And then there's another way of thinking about it in my industry, which is more of a transparent, more of an open window view into what's going on, because I don't have it all figured out. I mean, we're all living, we're all growing, we're all doing our thing. And I try very hard to be as transparent as I possibly can with what I write, because I think that builds a more more loyal audience of people who follow you, because they can relate to your work. Rather than maybe be intimidated by your work or not really be able to see themselves in what you're going through,
1: and don't you think that that also is part of the social media strategy that is the most effective um because social media doesn't to me is not that effective once if you're just sort of promoting product stuff.
0: You know, I see people who apparently have success with that. I mean, I can't say that that's never never effective, but I think if we look at social media like we used to look at the brick-and-mortar world, I mean, back to the Chamber of Commerce, I mean, we've all gone to those networking events where somebody hands you a business card and says, call me if you want to buy a house, and then turns around and walks away. Like, maybe you stick that business card in your pocket, but then you experience somebody else who you talk to and you connect with and you remember their name and you learn something about their kids or whatever, that's the person that you're actually going to remember. That's the person that you're actually going to look up when you want to do business, the kind of business that that person does. I think that we can look at social media two ways. I mean, it can be a bulletin board or a billboard for our products, in which case you've got to drive a lot more traffic through social media or we can use it as a place to nurture and develop real relationships and let people see us for who we are and get to know us kind of in our natural environment. When I think about how I want to meet people and experience them in my real physical world, I want to emulate as much of that as I can in my social media practices.
3: Yeah, I think there's a... um there's a realization that everyone comes to at some point that whatever they're doing on social isn't working as ideally as they thought. (laughs) You know, they read a book on social media marketing and they, and um, they learned a bunch of tactics like, uh, you know, try to be real once in a while, put a picture of yourself up and talk about a trip and relate that back to what it is you do. And um, I think some people, Need a little bit of a readjustment right after they hear the word strategy or tactic or here's what you do from an expert's point of view. Now do this. I think some people are are a little bit too literal and a little bit too uh, incapable at the moment of thinking of it as anything other than a to-do list, um, a laundry list. Well, I've got to go up. And it's three o'clock. I got to go be real. You okay. know. <laughs> Nobody who is actually real thinks like that. You just go and you do. And you're inspired and you share. And you share when you're inspired so that the the inspiration and the passion and energy comes through that share to get people inspired to even look at it and react to it and engage with it. I mean, it's really, really super organic. And I think the, the minute that the first person wrote a book on how to do it, is when a whole bunch of people started getting it wrong. Even though the person writing the book was saying all the right things, people interpreted it the wrong way, and they started thinking, "Well, I can be real. I can be more real if I use Hootsuite to auto-post all my junk to everywhere.
2: Because
3: <laughs> right. I'll be I'll, if I go to ten more sites, I'm ten times more real, right?"
2: Right.
0: And and not to mention, that's not sustainable for me for one reason alone. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do use HootSuite and I do use Buffer. I mean, I use some of those tools, not in the way most people probably use them, but the reason mm-hmm. that wouldn't work for me over the long term is because I don't enjoy it. So if I don't enjoy it, it's not sustainable because eventually I will give up on it. It's not fun for me. I'm I'm not inspired by all the automated and tools. I'm not inspired to post and go be real at 3 o'clock. And so it's If I'm not having a good time with it, eventually it will break. It's not a sustainable model for doing anything, particularly social media. It's just not something I'm going to follow through with for the amount of time it takes to make social media pay off, which is a long time. I mean, social media isn't a hit-it-and-forget-it sort of scenario. It's something that you invest in over the course of years in your business. And if doing it sucks, you're going to quit doing it eventually
3: yeah you just expose the other edge of a double edged sword uh the irony of it all is if you if you can fake it for even a little while that you're interested um and and everybody thinks that you're interested, so they get more interested and they get more engaged, but if ultimately you aren't, it drops off anyway. So there's two giant reasons that just push this thing completely (laughs) over the edge, right? It's if you're not interested and interesting, you're not going to attract an audience that engages with you. And if you're not interested, you're not even going to stick with your plan long enough to see any fruits from the labor because it's not interesting. And I've watched people start campaigns and it's like, hey, look, she sort of seems like she's starting a campaign. And what I mean by that, and that's a bad way to say it because it goes against what I said earlier, it seems like she's starting to really engage and be passionate about something. And it'll be like a week maybe or two or three, and then it just starts to drop off. It's like, man, I was just starting to get interested in what she was talking about. But I think that in a lot of cases that person wasn't interested themselves in what they were doing or saying, and, and they dropped off anyway. Sad thing was a lot of times that happens when I'm just about to engage with them. You know, they, they almost had me. They almost, you know, I was almost there with them. And then they quit. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll go to the next passionate person.
0: I mean, we really are talking about years, not weeks. It's not a campaign of a few days or a few weeks. We're talking about an experience or a relationship that you share with people that you may or may not meet over the course of years. And I think social media is so powerful for a lot of reasons, partially is because we have a lot of options. I mean, you can find an option that really does light you up, that really works for you and engage and develop a relationship in a place that fits your personality, that fits your lifestyle. So there's no reason to, you know, grit your teeth and, you know, clench your butt cheeks, as I would say, and power through, for instance, Twitter, if Twitter's not your thing, or Facebook, if Facebook's not your thing, there are other choices out there where you can develop really engaged relationships that can be, where you can show up as yourself and be really interesting and interesting and have a good time.
3: Yeah. Uh, Gina and I are writing a book called The Leverage Black Book right now. And um, so I'm in leverage mode, complete and utter, drinking it, living it, sleeping, eating it. And... um, So I was going to ask you today, and and probably will until well after the book is released, March 15th, um, about leverage in your business. Where do you use it? What do you consider uh, to be things that uh, you've done a really good job with leverage in terms of not building everything, and I know you don't. I can tell a leveragist when I see one. uh, Not building everything one by one through the sweat of your own brow like bringing on new followers on Facebook one by one just because you wrote something great on your blog and you shared it and it got shared by one of your followers, which picked up some more likes from people you hadn't met yet and maybe some more engagement from them. That's what I consider all from the sweat of your own brow. Have you done or what have you done in the past um, or are doing now where you're leveraging somebody else's audience that they've already built to bring you a mass amount of attention all at once instead of one by one.
0: Interesting
3: question. Other than showing up at Traffic Masters podcast, of course.
0: Well, yeah, but of I course. Mean, <laughs> let's, let's not discount that, actually, right? Like, let's not discount that at all. I mean, as much as I love to write radio, blog talk, actually my husband and I were talking about this last night. Like, blog talk radio has probably done more for my practice than any other single thing out there. So, I mean, I host a radio show called um, Life, Love, or Law of Attraction, and I do it every week, give or take. Every once in a while, I miss a week. I'm doing five shows this week. I did that show for years, and when I finally kind of burned out and dropped out, I had people email me for two full years saying, when are you going to start the show again? I mean, blog talk has probably put me in front of a much larger audience than anything else I've done, and also opportunities like this. Like I tell new coaches all the time, go get yourself interviewed, because people are looking for guests. I mean, having done a show for a long time, I know what it's like to, you know, have to go out and look for and pursue and find a guest to talk to every week. So, I mean, I, I can't discount opportunities like being on your show, because that would probably hit the top of my list in terms of one-off leveraging. Your audience is very different than my audience. So right here, we're in the process of doing that, I would say very organically.
3: Yeah, exactly. I I think that's really, uh, I'm exploring right now so that I can have as many examples and things for people to... um, you know, get inspired from and and incorporate in their business and their lives, uh, just all forms of leverage. And mainly for our purposes, uh, leverage comes to play a lot in going and finding audiences that already exist, somebody who's Mm -hmm. already put the years of social media in, the years of SEO and, and everything else, and they have curated and cultivated an attentive and engaged audience Uh, to face their stage and listen to anything as long as they remain the person that they, they agreed to follow in the first place, and they don't just start being advertising or sellouts or whatever in that industry, whatever industry that would be considered, but they remain true, then they've got that attention. And so for people who have started out and are still in the startup area, they feel like they really haven't made that much progress or you really literally are starting out, we're constantly telling people, look, you don't have to have a plan that takes you years to implement. You really don't. Mm-hmm. There are people out there, if you're in a niche that's worth being in in the first place, there's already an established player there now. And what we make the mistake of doing is going, well, that's the competition. I want to be like him someday, And but I'm not going to talk to him. I'm not going to uh, approach him because, one, I'm not worthy. I'm too new. I don't have any... to say you know yet or I haven't said enough yet or I haven't paid my dues I haven't sweat long enough and he's going to reject me anyway so I'm not going to go there so I'm going to spend the next year or two (laughs) building all this stuff redundantly myself when most of their audience is sitting there over there on his list in front of his stage listening to what he's got to say are there are there points in your business where uh, a lot of uh, any of this rings true
1: (laughs)
0: All the way through. I I think that one of the biggest mistakes that we make is trying to reinvent the wheel, when that it already exists. I mean, I'm a fan of saying, and some people might not like it, but really look at what somebody else has done. Look at what they've done on their website. Look at the widgets they use and the plugins they're using. You know, look at how they, the different ways they engage their audience. And what you said is very accurate, I think reaching out to people who have already built the audience that you have it, i mean the, the willingness to do that is it, it is courageous i mean it it is courageous but 9 times out of 10 you're not going to be rejected you're not you are you're out you're about as worthy as you think you are so if you can muster up the courage to get worthy for about 60 seconds and send an email you're you've at least cracked that door and who cares if somebody doesn't return your email, if they don't return your phone call, if they don't, you know, hit you back up? Like, I I am a fan of the 100 rejections, 100 rejections method. Um, I like to set a goal on any one thing to get rejected at least 100 times. And just the game of doing that has proven to me that it's a lot harder to get rejected
3: than I think it is. Yeah, good luck with that, because I bet you haven't reached 100 yet. <laughs> it's,
0: it's a lot like, harder than you think it is. I mean, and, but I, yeah. one of my very well, first coaches gave me that assignment, and I've used it in my life over and over again. People yeah. like people want what you have. Like you said, if you're in a niche that's worthy, it, people are going to be interested in talking to you.
3: Well, let's flip it on its head then. Let's go the complete other direction to prove the point. Describe one of the times that somebody has come into your world and been extraordinarily helpful. They're in relatively the same niche as you, and they just helped you out with something, and you felt like reciprocating by talking about how awesome they were on your Facebook feed or maybe mailing for them or even promoting their product just as a result of them coming in and and doing something really awesome for you. And out of the blue, being helpful, pointing you into... Uh, just simply pointing you to a blog talk radio show that you ought to be on that you didn't know about or anything like that. Do you have an example? I'm sure you have many, but which one do you want to tell us about?
0: I mean, I will just say that my business partner, Jeanette Ma, is the Good Vibe Coach. And we didn't start out as business partners. We actually didn't ever meet in person until April of last year. We met like that. Like, we... We I followed her work online. She is also a law of attraction coach. I mean my niche is relationships, but I'm a law of attraction coach. I followed her for years and years. I mean I and I did feel a little bit of oh, Jeanette Ma and I reached out to her once to be a guest on my radio show and I still remember that episode. It was awesome. But the connection that I made with her, and, I mean, we're taking that way, way further out, you know, into a business partnership, but that initial the connection that I made with her was so inspiring to me that I probably became her biggest raving fan. In fact, I just a few minutes ago, before the show started, shared another interview that I had done with Jeanette. I share her stuff all the time because it's amazing, uh-huh. and Yeah. She, and she's generous. But I mean, she's extremely generous to people who reach out to her. But I didn't know that the first time I did that, and you know, Jeanette's audience has been really good for my business. But I think, yeah. to some degree, in a reciprocal way, my audience has also been very good to her.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is. You, would, you said something interesting earlier about courage and. I guess it really does have a lot to do with this because you know what I try to teach people is that everybody needs something, and no matter how well everything looks on the outside, their site is fantastic. They're using the best plugins, paid ones even, and uh, they have they have a, <laughs> apparently a really big list, uh, high engaged following, and their content always comes out like clockwork, and it's the best of the best. And it, it, one could be forgiven for thinking that they have it so together they're never going to need anything from you, and you're just going to be a bother to them. But it's not true. Behind every single, everyone, without the more successful that they are, the more chaotic it can be in the background. Like somebody just canceled for an interview. Well, if you had been courageous enough to reach out to them and say, I would love to take any of your spots if there's a cancellation. I'd just love to offer you that. I'm, I'm usually available. You know, Check with me first and I can bail you out when, when you have a guest cancel or anything like that. That courageous person just put them in a spot of real service to someone who can then turn the spotlight immediately on them. Maybe you feel like you can't get to be a guest on their show because you don't have enough material yet or you don't have something yet. That kind of an offer to a person, you know, in a pinch. You can't get in the front door, but you can get in the side door. All you have to do is be available. Now all you have to do is not be the world's greatest expert on something. You don't have that body of work yet, but you can do something with leverage and just make yourself available. Anybody can do that. And then you're probably the only person that's offered that in the last two months or years even for some people. They're like, wow, that's impressive, excellent, because I do get cancellations sometimes.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: And
0: and I think it comes down to, as much as I hate to say it, I mean, it does come down to volume. Like, maybe you make that offer to ten people instead of one. Like, ten isn't that many. If you send two emails a day, you've got it done in a week. I mean, out of that ten that's going to produce results one might not i mean if danielle laporte is listening to this show i have emailed danielle laporte three or four times over the course of my history you know i don't hear from her it doesn't stop me from emailing her again but i send out those kinds of emails those you know let's get acquainted this is what i can do this is what i have to offer your audience if you know if you ever need anything one might work. You might get lucky, but ten is probably a better number. A hundred is probably a great number. I mean making it a habit to make that a part of your business your business practice where you're perpetually reaching out and starting and nurturing those relationships is a really powerful habit to have.
3: That's a that's a leveraged habit. Uh and and I think a lot of people end up facing their audience completely. They face the problem of attracting an audience uh, full frontal. <laughs> they face that completely, and they never think sideways. They never think up, or very rarely do they do that. And when they think up, they're like, well, I can't talk to my peers or people who have the audience I'd like to have in two years right now. I can't talk to them. One, because I'm too busy doing my thing that I learned in the last social media marketing book, and it's keeping me super busy because I'm building my business one person at a time. And that takes up all your damn time. So you've got a lot of excuses for bailing on this, right? Because it's like, well, they're not going to talk to me anyway because I'm not important enough. The funny thing is, and the irony is, when you are important enough for them to talk to, you will have reached 90% of your goals already. So how are you going to get there in the first place? Unless you, you know, go on that long, long road of years and years of doing it all yourself, and realize, wow, I could have been on this person's show, or they could have been a JV partner of mine, or any number of things. Many, many months before I ever thought I had to, I, I deserved to talk about it.
0: Well, and I mean, taking us back where we started to social media, isn't that what social media is about anyway? I mean, it's about developing organic, natural relationships. And in the process of doing that, if you're doing it organically, you will develop relationships or following with people who have audiences greater than yours. And I mean, I hate to say it that way because that makes it sound like there's some sort of ulterior motive, sort of that traditional marketing goal. But if you're showing up, if you're making yourself available, if you're being genuine and organic and real and honest, in what you're putting out in the world, you're you're going to bump into those people anyway, via social media, via organic contact with people who have larger audiences. I mean, it's really just about finding as many ways as you can to show up and put yourself out there over time. It's the over time piece that really matters, I think. I mean, again, and you might get lucky I mean, you might just do it once. One day you show up and you're awesome and you send out one email and that's fantastic and that person has the Willy wanted Golden Ticket audience and they all sign up for your list. But if you love what you're doing, why wouldn't you do it every day anyway?
3: Right. And you would probably agree with the 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 idea that if you were more purposeful in who you go after and how you go after them, meaning you find somebody in your niche that is just killing it and they're just awesome and they're right in front of the audience and have all the attention and uh, engagement of an audience that you would dearly, dearly love to get in front of in any way at all, just a mention on Facebook or a whatever. But ideally, even bigger things than that, if you're more purposeful in how you go about it, rather than having you know these guys reaching out to them the way that you reached out to any of the previous 99, but reached out so specifically to them on an issue that they care deeply about, which they're wearing on their sleeve. It's on their Facebook feed right now. Whatever they care the most deeply about, if they're active at all, you can pick that up right there with everybody Mm -hmm. else reading their Facebook feed. And you can feed off of that energy that they already have. With more purposefulness, there will be more accuracy. There will be more wins. There will be more responses from those guys, right? Right.
0: Because you're paying attention in the first place. You're engaged in the relationship. I can give you an example of that. I mean, for a long time, I had a list of websites that I wanted to be published on. Um, and it was a fairly short list, but Elephant Journal was on the top of that list. And, I mean, I've read Elephant Journal for a long time. They show up in my Facebook feed. I've, and I've, I've, I did have that I'm Not Worthy business running, but... I started noticing two or three years ago that Elephant Journal was talking a lot about gay rights and gay marriage, um, and I saw those posts coming across my feed, fairly regu- regularly. And I had an article that I had written already; it was already on my blog where I talked about how love is a miraculous thing, like all of the all of the thousands of things that have to line up in perfect order to make a love that lasts. And at the end of the day, who really cares if it's a man and a woman or a woman and a woman or a man and a man. I mean, it was an article about the beauty of love and the mystery that creates it in support of I don't really care who it is. If they make it through all of that and they still love, then super. So that article was already written. I saw it. I saw that theme rolling with Elephant Journal in my social media feeds and I submitted my article. It was posted in two days.
3: Nice. I've uh, I've noticed the same kinds of things uh, when I'm really really on point and I'm just working on my passion. And sometimes some little voice in the back of my head's going, "This isn't what you should be working on. You're supposed you have a list of things. This isn't on that list of things." But if you can let yourself just use up every of inspired action you are currently powering through and not be distracted by your list of things to do, you'll find that I have found that an awful lot of things start to conspire <laughs> to uh-huh. support you in your endeavor. Like You start yeah. to see like all these weird coincidences. I just wrote an article about that, or I am writing a book about that. That's what I'm doing right now. You wouldn't believe all of the leverage stuff that's helping me to create this, you know, to do this project really, really well, it's just right in front of me. And it's like, I swear, it's more stuff about leverage and examples and things that I need for the book than I see on an average month or week or whatever. It it has to be, and it's really strange. When you get on point and you're in your zone, stuff will conspire to work for you. (laughs)
0: inspired action is huge. You want to hear another inspired action story about my list of places I wanted to get published?
3: Yes, absolutely.
0: Another one of the places on my list was Huffington Post. And I had written an article, and it was probably one of my most exposed, raw, vulnerable pieces I have ever written. I mean, I wrote that article about a time in my life that was bad. And I wrote it specifically for HuffPo, and I submitted it, and I never heard a word back. And Huffington Post sat on my list. In fact, it was the only one left that I hadn't been published at. And I don't know, six weeks ago, I couldn't sleep. And that's not uncommon for me. I'm a night person. Like, I work a lot at night. The rest of my family goes to bed. I struggle with trying to sleep when everybody else is sleeping. But at about 2 o'clock in the morning... I felt instructed, like I can't even describe what it was like. I got up out of bed, I went into my office, I pulled up that article, I re-edited it a little bit, touched it up a little bit, and I resubmitted that article to Huffington Post. Same thing that they had rejected before, but at 2 o'clock in the morning on that day, the inspiration was so strong that I couldn't ignore it. I could have. I could have gotten up and taken a melatonin and tried to go back to sleep. And three days later, I was a published Huffington Post blogger.
3: Nice. Congratulations on uh, doing what you were supposed to do at 2 o'clock that morning. That's exactly what was meant to happen. Yeah,
2: And you know, it could have been... So I was just going to say, say, you
3: know, that chaotic background I was talking about. Huffington Post feels it more than any other blog on the planet because it's the biggest blog on the planet, right? It's not even a blog anymore. That's too cute of a word to call what that has become. It's a conglomerate of blogs and information channels and things like that. And it is chaotic back there. Their bullpen mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it in the back of all their volunteers, all of their staff, their interns, their editors, their – it is insane what are we going to put up today in this section and the people rolling around to answer emails at the very lowest level which is somebody submitting an article for consideration uh they they churn a lot i mean there's Mm -hmm. a huge and heavy churn there and what might have happened was you got that inspiration at that particular time because somebody churned out and somebody churned in And the new people pay more attention to everything that comes across their desk because they're a little nervous that they're not going to do it right. And they're there. They're more focused. They're fired up about their job. And all of a sudden, I bet you anything that landed in front of one of those newer people who's really paying attention noticed a really quality piece of writing where the old burnout one could never tell the difference between anything because they're just fried from looking at submissions all day long. They couldn't tell the difference between that and, you know, the back of a McDonald's hamburger wrapper. So – they, somebody, something like that I am absolutely sure is what happened. I mean, what do you but think it was?
0: I, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that, which is why I say rejection doesn't matter. If you put yourself out there and you get rejected, who cares? You put yourself out there again, there's going to be another day. There's going to be another editor in the bullpen. There's going to be another person that the same person you emailed before is going to be looking at something with a different set of eyes. I think... You're on to something with the concept of leverage, and I think the key to leverage is probably following inspiration. I mean, consistency is one key to leverage, but the willingness to follow inspiration is probably another very big one in terms of leverage.
1: So I have a question around that, if you don't mind, Uh, and this is to both of you. Um, Because we've been talking about inspired action. And as a lifelong artist, I'm all about that, right? (laughs) Know that one really good. I am not good at consistency. And I feel the results of that, or let's just say lack of some of the results of that. So do you try to balance those two? Or I want both of you to talk a little bit about that. What would you talk to somebody, I mean, because I'm great at inspired action, but there are some things that seem to take like a concerted effort. I mean, earlier we were talking about social media as a long-term strategy. Um, anyway, talk about that, please, if you don't mind. I would. You you know, first. And I, I, I would say...
0: But consistency is ever so much easier when you're following inspired action, when you're not trying to be consistent with somebody else's formula, when you're not Amen. trying to be consistent with what you read in the guerrilla social marketing book. Like, consist, I may, and I do set myself a, like a weekly goal to to follow something that's inspired. Or, but, I mean, I as, as much as I like consistency, if I don't have a blog post in me, I'm not going to write it. And I'll be the first person to say you should post at your blog every week. But if I'm going to write it and it's going to suck, why bother? You know, right. if I have a couple of weeks where I'm not feeling it for showing up very much online, where that feels like pressure or I feel like, oh, I get that heavy sigh, got to do my social media now. I'm not going to do that. I think consistency is ever so much easier to nail when you're working off your own blueprint, not somebody else's blueprint of what inspires you. And really you can be honest with yourself about the fact that there are ebbs and flows. I mean, the tide comes in and the tide goes out. Sometimes I'm at low tide. And I tend to be most creative at that point because I, you know, I, I just am. I, I find my most interesting things to talk about, my most interesting things to write about. But... Consistency only can happen for me. I mean, back to that thing about sustainability. If it's not fun, it's not sustainable for me. It won't be consistent. So it's about finding your own blueprint for what really lights you up and then being consistent with that.
3: So I couldn't have said that better myself, and I'm not even going to try. I'm just going to add this. What what, what do you do now when you find yourself in a situation that Jan describes uh, as we all do, don't don't pretend or don't let yourself think that this doesn't happen to absolutely – even your heroes, whoever your heroes are you think are the most consistent people in the world, it happens to them too, and they will admit that to you <laughs> if you get the chance to meet them and ask them. But it happens to everybody, so what do we do about it? Okay, so we haven't really come up completely with an answer except that your passion will lead you there. Well, that's just the problem. I don't have the passion right now then you have to let it, you have to biohack yourself and go back to the time that it did happen for you and really analyze what were all the key ingredients in that recipe for that really great thing that I did get done. And for a week or two or a year or month, Mm -hmm. I was on it. I was, well, what was going on? Go back there and figure out what was going on, and you have the answer to your consistency problem, which is not really a problem if you're measuring yourself uh, against everybody else's list of things to do, you're always going to have a consistency problem. If you measure yourself against yourself at the very best and height of your game that you've ever achieved thus far, you're going to find the answer for how to get consistency to happen more often, more consistently, is my feeling. you got to hack okay, yourself. I,
0: I like that word biohack. You know, follow your own trends, be compassionate with yourself. Learn to notice your own cycles. Like when I, again, when I am not showing up consistently online, if I can surrender to that, I'm actually in the process of being in my life and finding my most juicy material. And I know that now, so I don't sweat it. And because I'm not sweating it, those down periods don't last as long as they used to when I was really struggling against that tide. But I think you're absolutely right. Figure out what works for you, and go back and recreate those environments. And sometimes what works for me is just to get out of my business and get into my life for a little while. Then, you know, Jeanette would yeah. say, "Go walk the dogs. I'd go play with the kids, go for a hike, go go on vacation, read some actual books that aren't personal development." But sometimes, yeah. I mean, I'm in I'm in a material driven industry and if i'm constantly focused on my mat- on my business material gets pretty shallow so i have to be willing to sometimes get out of my business and get into my life and let that be okay
3: yeah so we're trying to stand out in a world that is very noisy all of us if you, whatever market you're in whatever niche you're in you're only there because it's worth being in that a lot of other people are passionate about uh, and that you can try to turn some of that attention and that passion in your direction to uh, fulfill your business goals, fulfill whatever goals that you have. So we're all we're all looking for um, the way that you know we've gotten this advice a thousand times before: be yourself, do your own thing, show people. The only way to really compete is to be unique in the marketplace, and the only thing that you've got that's unique is you. It's not your ideas, necessarily, or any of that, because lots of people have already had your idea. We've been on this planet for quite a long time, and there's very little that needs, mm-hmm. needs saying that hasn't been said already. probably just needs to be said in a different way. So the way that Jan approaches it, in one way, is through her art. And she says the same kinds of things that we may have heard before in, in a hugely new and impactful way through her art. And for her to go back and, and look at somebody else's idea of consistency, that's not how that art was created. That art no. was created out of her unique signature, her unique DNA oh. sequence and genome and the way she puts thoughts together and then ultimately colors and everything else. And then to go back and say, well, I haven't done one of those in a while. I'd like to do another one of those. Let me go see what somebody else says about it. You you didn't get to that great point by looking at what everybody else was doing. That's what made you unique. That's what made it so impactful. So that if I left it right there, it would be pretty depressing, I think, because it's like, well, great, so it's all up to me. Is that what you're saying? It's all, it, Well, yes, but <laughs> you can use ideas uh, like going to the movies or going for a walk or whatever. Those are ideas for, like, inspiration. What inspires you? What inspired you when you did that, that last time and really nailed it, a blog post or an article? Or how could you even manufacture this uh, relatively, um, it just seemed like a coincidence that you woke up at 2 in the morning, you felt the the urge to uh, put that article back out there again. That all seemed so organic. Could you ever possibly manufacture something like that? And my answer is yes. You can at least create yourself. You can put yourself in a position to be lucky more often than you are right now. And I just use lucky as a a loose term. You will get a lot more lucky if you're always or close to the right stream of thought, the right stream of energy, and people who are out there talking about similar things, doing similar things, that's where your ideas probably came from in the first place, and that's probably where they're going to come from again.
0: Right. I totally agree. And then I'm going to say something that sounds counter to what we've been saying, but I think leans into what you just said. Sometimes you just have to show up for your business. I mean, sometimes I think for anybody who writes, we've all heard the phrase, and I'm not going to get it right, but it's bed on chair, fingers on keys, whatever that is. Like sometimes you just set an intention to let it flow, and you just go on ahead and show up even if it's not there. And you see if it does show up you show up for your inspiration, you meet it at the desk or the easel first and see if it decides to join you.
3: Yeah. That's all you can do is go back to the scene of the crime. I mean, you know, the top two shows in the whole country in the United States are NCIS and NCIS New Orleans. And the reason I think a lot of – I'd like to believe that it's not all the shallow reasons – that I sometimes let myself believe that people are watching the show, but I like to believe that people watch that kind of stuff because they love figuring things out. They love how pe- they love all the different storylines that they come up with for how to figure out who done it, and and, and that is a real metaphor for our own lives. We, you know, there's there's hard there could there could be somebody listening to the show today who's never had a big success at all in their lives, but it's extremely unlucky. Extremely, or you have way too um, tight of a filter on what you cons- consider a success. <laughs> One of those two things, uh, but it's very unlikely. You, Everybody listening has had something really, a big old breakthrough. And going back to the scene of that crime and doing some NCIS on that is going to lead you to the kind of place you want to show up at. And, and, and it's especially if you don't have – if you're in it, if, if Jan's doing a painting – or we're doing a blog post or whatever, you don't want to go back to the scene of the crime at that point. You're inspired, stay there. Stay there until that's done and exhaust it, wring out every drop that you can from it. But but especially when you don't have your next idea, you don't have your next thing, you don't have your next joint venture, you don't know who to approach to get in front of their people, that's especially when you go back to the scene of the crime and go, where was I hanging out when the last time this happened? What was I doing? Mm -hmm. Who was I talking to? What was I writing about? What was I thinking? And it will lead you eventually to your – or quickly sometimes. (laughs) And uh, you can't force it. You didn't force it. You let the Huffington Post thing go for a minute, and they were still on your list, though. And then – but you weren't – it didn't sound like you were forcing that I'm going to wake up at 2 o'clock one morning and it's going to happen. You just let it happen, right?
0: Yeah. I let the Huffington Post thing go for a year. But I didn't take it off my list. I I, I, I let it sit for a year, but I didn't take it off my list. And I think, again, I mean, I'm going to go back to being rejection-proof. I know people who've submitted to HuffPo and didn't hear anything back and wrote it off. I mean, I I, I submit things lots of places that don't get picked up, and you can't write that stuff off because if you're truly following your inspiration – if that really matters to you you use the word conspire i mean the the universe will conspire to get you where you want to go as long as you hold on to that desire loosely enough if you get crazy pants with it you'll manhandle it to death though
3: yeah well so i'll i'll pull another example from what i'm doing now and what this is a process i'm sure lots and lots of people go through in writing uh, or in any project, but for the Leverage book, um, it was something I knew I needed to do, something I'm called to do, something I've been wanting to write about for a long time. And then I just got more serious, enough serious about it that I, uh, Gina and I made a deadline. And okay, man, it's got to go out then. Pretty soon I'm going to really be shooting myself in the foot because I'm going to be talking about the upcoming thing. I'm doing it now. Now now, some people know that it's March 15th, something's going to happen, and crap, I can't pull that back. I mean, I guess we could delete this recording, but I really want it to happen. At the same time, in the last several weeks, I've been inspired that it needs to happen, but not inspired entirely in how it's going to come together. And so I kind of went back to the scene of the crime. I, I started, you know... For groups in Facebook and on G+, and other places that I follow and I'm a participant of, some of them I'm the creator of, and hanging out in them, knowing that they're worth being at for the sake of themselves. They're worth hanging out and following, talking to the people in them. And and I knew that something had to come out of that that was going to give me, because I've been there before. I've done this before with other books that something will just smack you on the forehead from an unlikely place or a likely place, and you just had to wait for it to happen. And that's precisely what's happening now. These groups that I've followed for a while and people in them have, have not been a direct source of inspiration for this particular project where I need the inspiration, right? This is the big one that I need it for right now. But I knew that following them was a good source.
0: <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it
3: could become a good source. And I didn't know where it was going to come from. So I, the, the worst thing I could do is take myself out of the flow because that's where it was going to come from. Something, was, Somebody's going to say something. They're going to mash about five different words together that all of a sudden mean something to me. And it's a eureka moment. And that's been happening in the last week, especially in groups that have given me no such inspiration in the last year. Uh, not really big, like, blow-my-mind inspiration, but they're fun to follow. Now, all of a sudden, their inspiration is coming to bear on the project that I have, and you, you, you find yourself in that situation wondering, how'd they know about my book? Right. <laughs> the thing is, they don't know about your book. They're just talking about stuff, and you're following the right things, the right streams of energy and information, and it will lead you eventually to where uh, you want to go. It will give you the things that you're seeking. But uh, what a lot of people do is like beat themselves up. I, I hear them ask questions. I just I sit around and I think really hard. Why isn't that enough? And I'm like, well, you shouldn't be sitting around thinking, especially in a vacuum. You should be sitting around talking to people or moving around talking to people, and the inspiration will come from those things. Is that an get experience that, uh, like, like you've had? Get
0: out into your life. Yeah, get out into yeah. your life and do your life. Put yourself, like you said, in that stream. Where the inspiration comes from, I think. I mean, I don't. I I am a solopreneur. I mean, I work by myself. I work at home. I and that necessity to put yourself in the stream of other inspiration, other people's brilliant thoughts, other people's wisdom and genius is huge because otherwise we become really insulated and a little bit dry. Oh, you can you can dry up really quick when you spend too much time in your own head by yourself.
3: Yeah, not to get too woo-woo about it or anything, but it really does bring an awful lot of evidence-based uh, conclusions to the idea that we're all connected. <laughs> I mean, well, it, it's I mean, almost it's not woo-woo at all because it's really what's happening here. Is you really we really are all connected? If we cut that source off. Um, working with other people, all the stuff we've been talking about—it's a—it's uh, a very dangerous thing to do for yourself, personally, and your business.
0: I like woo woo. I mean, I'm a law of attraction I know. coach, and so yep. I mean the woo woo pieces of it make perfect sense to me—not just from a woo woo perspective, but from a scientific perspective. I mean, what we focus on, we attract to us by this court by the force and sheer will of our focus alone. And so if you're focused on finding the inspiration and finding the way, it reveals itself to you without you having to manhandle it. I mean, the universe conspires as long as you stay focused.
3: Yep. Or the dude abides, one of my favorite things. (laughs) But whatever you call it, 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 it's happened to people enough that they know what we're talking about. You know, you just have to recognize it. If you never recognized it, that it's happening in the way that we're talking about right now, go ahead and do that. Go ahead and put the labels on the thing that happened to you, that you that you labeled in the way that you understood it at the time as coincidence, which I feel is just the cutest little word for people who, it's like toddlers who don't know the big grown-up word for saying it
2: right. <laughs> or what's
3: really happening, and uh, but adults are saying it. Because, of course, there is no coincidence. There's none. So it's interesting. I love that we got into that all the way from where we started today.
0: But I think that's what, back to where we started. I mean, this element, sort of the unseeable, the undefinable, I think Jan could relate to it as an artist very well, sort of that divine inspiration, that those are the elements that are missing from those cookie-cutter approaches or strategies and plans for growing your business. Do this number of these things at this time and you'll get this result. That doesn't that that's not a container for the magic and the flow that we're talking about here. That's what's missing. Like if you could build that strategy and then build in space for the magic and the miracles, then you might be onto something.
3: There's a couple kinds of faith that we're talking about here. One is don't get mad at people for putting out a list of 17 things to do to really show up big on social media. It's not their fault. There's no other way, if you're really honest, that they could have written it because they don't know you. They're they're going for an entire market. They're trying to make meaning and impact across thousands of different people in different situations, not just you and yours. So So... But use that for inspiration, which is what it really is. And you have to have faith that you can take a list from an expert and follow what they're saying, but put it into your own context for your own life or business and make it yours, which a lot of people, that's what we said earlier, they're so literal about it. And then I can't remember what the second faith-based one was. Maybe Jan can help me. She was just coming in.
1: Um, No, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't help you. Nobody so can. Really <laughs> waiting. yeah. Like, crap, that's going to be the one I needed. Well, you know, uh, part of it is just, you know, to me, I have faith, and I deal with a lot of people who wish they were more creative, but I have years of history of being creative. So I have faith that if I just sit down with the stuff, something will turn out. And I hear that, you know, to me, it's 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 part of what I call, you know, really being honest. If I'm really honest with myself, the fear part isn't really true. Mm-hmm. My experience has been I create yeah. stuff.
3: Well, I just remember the last one was having faith that everybody needs something. And if you can just find that something and help them with it, you can well, get you in front. They'll give you the keys to their audience. They'll, let, they'll put their arm around you socially, virtually, in reality, and say this is a great person to follow in front of those thousands of engaged people. And that can happen before you have a list of 50 people. That can happen before you have your website done. Your logo might not even be done, or you might not even have a website yet, and that can happen. That's faith. You've got to have the faith that what we're saying is true. Just try it. Try it one time and let it work for you, and you'll build your business in a way you never thought you were ever going to build it in the first place.
0: All of those tools only give us reasons to believe. I mean, I think lists are a joke, and I say this. They're not a joke. Don't quote me on that. I retract that. Lists are not a joke. (laughs) But this, this business about thousands and thousands of people on a list, I know people who run successful, profitable, engaged, joyful businesses on very small lists. I mean, you are way better off with a list of a hundred people who really love you than ten thousand people who don't know who you are when they show up when you show up in their inbox. Like exactly. although, again, back to those things everybody says you need. If I remember somebody once told me that twenty thousand Twitter followers would 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 sustain a business. I'm at about forty thousand now. Twenty thousand Twitter followers doesn't sustain your business, but maybe if I'd had twenty thousand super engaged, hot and heavy Twitter followers, it would have. Like, you are much better off, like, Jesus did it with 12, right? 12 disciples. You you don't need tens of thousands. You need a handful of people who really dig your stuff.
2: And, guys, it's I hate Lisa, to do this, but we are out of time.
0: Yes, I was just getting ready to say,
2: it's
3: lisamhays.com. You can check her out, get in her sphere of influence. And, Lisa, thank you so much for being on Traffic Masters today.
0: You guys are awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, so glad to could join us.
2: Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for making this happen, Jen. And good job, Jack. We'll be back next week, same time, same place, for another episode of Traffic Masters. Have a great week, everybody.
1: Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters. From traffic to conversion to business success. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
2: Lucky?